0: Hi, I'm Michael. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm an investor, improv artist, and soon to be a terrible stand-up comedian. But uh, as always, I am your TV. I'm a TV host and your host right now for what we call the Second Scene Podcast. It is a Dweeb's Global production. Dweebsglobal.org is where you can go for free mentorship. Anything from resume writing to mental health. They have people around the world. It is completely confidential and it is completely free. So today I'm here with Howie. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Howie's first scene was as a performer. He trained as an actor and then joined the Shaw Festival of Canada, the second largest repertory theater company in Canada. His second scene encapsulates his work as a creator. The work is interesting as it started as a hobby, and now he gets to do it professionally, which is kind of what we all dream to do. Take our hobby and make it our our main form of income and, and daily activity. So was that a... That relief when you when you got to transition that way?
1: Yeah, it's it's funny. I feel like we're always transitioning in our art form. I'm sure you feel the same and in the work that you do. It sounds like you do a lot as well. And um, and I think having it, the repertory theater, which is where I started, and um where we surprisingly we have two big companies here in Canada, but there aren't many of them. Apart, I can only think of one in the United States, the um, Oregon Shakespeare Company. And so when we're sort of s- sitting on rocky territory in a theater world, I realized I needed to keep my other skills going, which I'd always sort of dabbled right. from a very young age of keeping my photography and my filmmaking alive. But it wasn't until about 2017 that I made a big shift into filmmaking and projection design and visual arts, which is the bulk of the work that I do now. I still do perform as an actor, but I love the agency that I have as okay. a creator to not be waiting by a telephone, and you know, I, I can take the, I can take my um, future into my hands, literally.
0: Got you. We're definitely going to talk about Mixed Up later on today. And having seen, I, you sent me the questionnaire yesterday, so I saw some of the film and I could definitely tell that you're not just one type of artist. You, you cover <laughs> a lot of bases. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. Well, I'm
1: not just one type of person either. Like being someone that occupies multiple spaces is, is a personal journey and it's a professional journey too. being someone that's mixed race and someone that does mixed media my DNA is mixed up, as is my work.
0: <laughs> right. Well, when did you first start performing? What age did you want to be? Oh, to- my
1: God. Uh, I sort of have lines that I want to see lines in the sand that I draw. Um, so I started when I was about five. I started professionally when I was about nine or ten. Uh, and I, I only marked that by like when I was paid to do it. Um, <laughs> but I, I think I always sort of took it very professionally from a very young age. So started in the UK where I was born. Okay, you can't hear it anymore because my accent is
0: mixed up. <laughs> it's completely that, that's completely gone. Would never have guessed yeah. that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, so I started very young in musical theater, and then thought I, I sort of kept that going. And then when I graduated high school, I just assumed to be an actor, you had to study acting and, um, and was actually torn because I had an offer to study fine arts at Emily Carr, which is the best art school in Canada on the West Coast mm-hmm. where I was raised. And, um, and I had a friend that came to me and said, like, how do not, don't study art. In, in the sort of um, university level, it'll kill your love of it, which I found su- it was such an interesting thing for someone to say to me that education will mm-hmm. take away your joy of things. And so keeping, keeping your work as a hobby is, is a wonderful way of making sure the light doesn't dim in your creative process.
0: So you started very early. Was this something your parents got you into? I mean, at the age of five. Oh,
1: it's so funny. I feel like my parents never pushed it on me, but were very, you know, welcome to my mom especially. My dad, I think, just sort of uh, that we'd go to the pantomime in the UK, and he he'd just come because he didn't want to stay at home alone. But um, yeah, they they sort of introduced me to pantomime and dance, and and I'd always sort of been very, uh, I, I was always in, um, what's the opposite of introvert, extrovert. Okay. So <laughs> I don't, uh, so yeah, it was just in my nature to be very um, playful and and wanting to entertain. And I think part of that was also because I, I was judged quite a bit when I was younger for being queer and and I think it was my way of going you can make fun of me for being queer, but look at my talent. Look, look at what I can do. And it won people over, which, thank God, was um, was was the case, because otherwise I would have been beaten to a pulp, literally. Um, so, yeah, that was sort of the beginnings of it all, was in that sort of, they, they say, show me the child of seven and I'll show you the man. And that was like a big... A definition of who I was was being a performer and I think there was about a week where I wanted to be a magician as one does.
0: <laughs> I wanted to be Yeah, but
1: I think pretty consistently I've, it's always been sort of in my DNA to be in the in the
0: arts. Gotcha. So you you knew you were you knew you were gay from a very early age.
1: I did yeah and then you don't really need to sort of address it until puberty because before then, you're not, there's no reason that it comes up socially, aside from, you know, horrible children in a playground trying to out you, which you can just sort of brush off at that age. But I would say when it was like 12, 13, I really had to deal with it. And then, you know, I I've likened being mixed to coming out of the closet as well, because I'm always coming out about who are you? What are you? What do you look like? this but you're not that and uh, and being queer was the same you know like I've there's always stages of coming out I think I'll be coming out for the rest of my life in some regards but gotcha. there, you, you sort of have to fall in love with that process
0: my brother's gay and I remember when he came out of the closet to me I wasn't surprised but I also felt bad that he had he had gone so far the other way to try to disguise it you know dating right. like the cheerle- cheerleader of like his high school and you know um you know, always, uh, always trying to talk the game just to, you know, yeah, I, I'm sure that had to have been hard. And the, the fact that he felt like he had to hide it for so long.
1: Mm. Yeah. It's, it's very personal, that journey for everyone. So mm. it, it is weird when you come into an industry like the arts and, and people sort of try to group everyone the same way, like everyone's coming out stories the same and it's like, no, it's not. And every gay film is about <laughs> coming out. And I'm like, that is not our only experience because it's so rich and so diverse and beautiful, but.
0: Right, not um, what you they, all do all the time. It's not just a constant. <laughs> yeah, just... yeah. <laughs> I right, see so you, so you, you went on you became, you've, you've transitioned over to becoming a creator. And I know one of the first feature length films you worked on was Red Snow. Yes. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, which was a, a really wild, process. It was a film that was about connection and how um, an indigenous youth in the north of Canada goes to Afghanistan to fight in the war in Iraq, and um, flees from Afghanistan with a family into Pakistan. And so it, it was this wild, cross cultural film that used many, many languages. And, and it was amazing. Marie Clements, the director of that film, who I assisted. Um, at first. And then they sort of brought me on to do all the stills photography. And I created the EPK, which is an electronic press kit. that sort of uh, it shares all the photos and the behind the scenes stuff. But it was an amazing um, eye-opening experience of learning something as simple as uh, Pashtun, which is um, the language that is one of the languages spoken in Afghanistan means the people and Inuit means the people. And so this, Marie has this beautiful way of showing the humanity in all of us that we are not divided by our identity, by our nationality, that we are human, which is such a simple concept when we all think about it, but we are so divided right now of, our identity. And I, I worry that identity politics are, you know, are not, are separating us too much.
0: I, I could not agree more. I could not agree more. What was what was something that surprised you when you were making the film that you- Oh. Completely threw you off guard and you were like, oh my God, I did not know that. This was a huge learning experience. Well, I will, s-
1: it was, it was, while to shoot the film, we um we shot in like plus forty five degrees and minus forty five in the same shooting schedule, which was pretty wild to be in like full on snow suits and then, you know, we 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 wanted to not be wearing anything when it was so hot, and um and we actually shot in the interior of B.C. British Columbia, and we were right near one of the residential schools, which I'm not sure if you, you know, the what's happening around that in Canada, no, we are the uh, residential schools were um, a horrific institutionalized way of basically cultural genocide, They, they, they were schools to get the Indian out of the child, and the last one closed in 1996 when I was six years old. It's so wild that that happened. And, um, I mean,
0: and explain that in more detail. I'm not following to get the Indian out of people. What is that?
1: Well, they, they didn't want they it was cultural genocide in Canada. They didn't want indigenous people here. And so they, they put young indigenous youth in schools to to colonize them. Wow. And um, I'm surprised you don't know about this, actually. I, I thought it was pretty uh, international news, but no. we've uncovered um, upward of um, 5,000 bodies that um, were, a- at these old residential schools, the- these bodies have been unearthed. Wow. Um, of youth, of, um, it- it's it's really awful actually. And you know, where Canada's journey through this Truth and Reconciliation Act is, it's uncovering a lot of ghosts in the closet that, you know, to this day, the Vatican in Italy will not acknowledge their culpability through the Catholic Church. And, and on Red Snow, it was, it, it, it was so eye-opening because we shot the film about, you know, five minutes away from this residential school. And so for me, it was like, it it was so incredible because we were finally given the opportunity to shed light on Indigenous stories in our country. But I I sort of, I kept, every day I'd leave set and drive by the school and go, whoa, what is going on in this country? That this sort of double, it it felt like a, it it felt so strange Mm -hmm. that we were, creating this film to honor a community and yet we were we're still on this land that is that treats them like second-rate citizens it's so wild
0: i'm i'm shocked right now it's not something i've ever heard of and and yeah i definitely want to look more into that that's that's like you said it's wild that's crazy
1: yeah yeah and 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 i'm not trying to you know make this session about (laughs) uh i'm not trying to derail the conversation but please, it, it came up in it's all well to be an artist and people think, you know, it's our job to just create beautiful things. And I go, no, but I, I, I want to create work that reflects the world that I live in. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and it's hard sometimes to think what, what is beautiful inside of the, the bleakness, but I guess that is part of my job is to, is to I, I sound so Christian saying this and I'm not at all, but it's just to, to shed light and, and try to find the beauty, which is really hard. It's really mm-hmm. hard to do that.
0: I'm, I, I, I'm sure it is. Uh, I, I, I can't I am believe how recent, this is, this was still going on. That's.
1: Oh my God. Right. Like yeah. it, it's mind blowing to me.
0: Yeah. But I guess you study a lot of our history and it's amazing how recent so much of it is it's um yeah it's unbelievable you know you, you read the history books and you're like that was uh 500 years ago and you're like no that was you know 70 years ago and there's still people that you know are alive that went through it and we're on the other side of it um yeah. that's incredible where can people check out red snow
1: so red snow is available on um woo many places I, I believe elevation pictures just picked it up for its u.s release yeah. so it's available on itunes youtube um i don't know if it's on amazon prime yet but in canada it's on cbc gem okay. and um yeah if you go to redsnow.ca there's all, all the information should be there
0: okay perfect so then after red snow you you directed pretty much started I mean it's it's uh, the film is about you mixed up like that that must I mean you can't call it anything but a passion project I'm <laughs> guessing and it's I mean that was just it's you you shared all of you how, um, how did that how did that feel just knowing that the world was going to see every every nook and cranny of you
1: it's it's again this wonderful scary duality of catharsisism <laughs> or catharsis and um, huge vulnerability to you know explore your own story, um, but there's this wonderful part of documentary where, well, I I can't even say it's documentary because it's it feels like this mixed up manifesto of so many different worlds of theater and film and opera and music and animation. But it, it's um, it was a wonderful exercise in, in form and how any form you sort of borrow from many different worlds. And so you know, a lot of people have seen it and gone, whoa, I don't know how to describe it because it, it's so many different things. And, and that, that was really the intention was to to explore my mixed experience through the lens of many artistic forms. And um, it's been really eye-opening. To, to get the response from people right. um, of, you know, it, it, through the whole process, I, it took me, it, it made me realize to be universal, you have to be so specific. And in being so specific, you can actually resonate with a lot of different people. And so it's nice that people have said, Oh my God, I saw so much of myself in you. And I go, well, that's so, it's so wild how, the connective tissues happen between people that, on the surface, have very different narratives and very different perspectives, but there's a commonality in that.
0: Yeah, it's a we we can all relate to each other in some way if you explore it enough. We all yeah. have similarities, no matter how different we all think we might be. Right. Um, and you, yeah, again, you wish more of the world would realize that and see that. Uh, there'd be oh, a lot right. more acceptance you really go into your childhood and what your childhood was like growing up with your parents. It's, your parents are very supportive up until a point. Your dad Yeah, has-
1: they, they've always been supportive, but I think dealing with the realities of they, you can, when you're dealing with a queer child, there is a, there is obviously acceptance, but when you're actually dealing with the realities of their lived experience, that's another you know deck of cards entirely. And I think when I found my um, my partner, it was it, it, I was grown up now, you know, and 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 that scared my my parents. Mm-hmm. And um, but I, I I understand that now. I don't judge them for that, just because. It's scary to see your child grow up and go into the world. it's like mother hen syndrome. I, I don't even I guess it was an irony that I wanted to um, point to was everything that my parents went through being in an interracial couple and rejecting pushing against societies, wanting to you know be homogeneous. They, they, they were rejecting all of those ideas and then my you know, fast forward to me being in a queer relationship and them showing resistance to that. Mm -hmm. I sort of was like that, that, there's this weird irony at play here that these two people who have raised me, who are so, such beautiful humans can be judgmental of, you know, what I'm going through. It's, Mm -hmm. and and I think that just really points to how we, Mm We can be the we can have the best of intentions as humans, but we we all sometimes you know have flaws, and that's what makes us human.
0: Right, right. So what was it, what was it like to uh, really like explore explore your childhood? Uh, did you did you learn a lot? Was mm-hmm. there a lot you did not realize while you were going back through? I
1: it? think it's it's interesting in the pandemic because we had a lot of time on our hands, mm-hmm. a lot of people, and. Ironically, people say that you know artists aren't, aren't um, an essential, and yet everyone went to their tablets, everyone went to their computers and watched Netflix. So people came to artists, just gonna say. And, um, true. <laughs> but I think I know a lot of people in my circle sort of it, because of we're alone, we're overthinking, we're sort of looking at ourselves in the mirror a lot in this time. And um, and I think it, it, it reminded me how much alive my youth is still in me. Like I carry that little, you, you look at the trailer and this little Howie and I go, oh, I, he's still there. Like I've, I've kept him alive. And I think that's the challenge as we grow older is how do we keep that um, optimism alive? I'm gonna say my child is my optimism. and um so that was it was I guess refreshing to learn how um how he's still there with me Mm -hmm. um and looking at that old footage you know that that was really uh one of the ways in for creating this this piece was I was lucky enough to have that old footage and then it sort of built from there to move into I made um little animated version of myself as well um which was wild being up at three four in the morning creating stop-motion animation which it it was just it was so much fun Mm -hmm. on having this time when a lot of people were frightened you know with the state of this pandemic in the world and i was like oh yay, I've got a window, I've got this time to create. And I was fortunate enough to have a network um, that was interested in premiering the the film. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I I created for about four months at home and really, really wanted to premiere the film um, in the summer of 2020, Mm -hmm. just because so much of the message of the film was so pertinent to what was happening. Um, in the United States and for the black community. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, with any network, they have a schedule. So I had to wait, which was unfortunate, but we premiered on November 11th,
0: 2020.
1: Okay. And, and then in the United Kingdom earlier this year and Australia is coming up and we're doing festivals in the United States. So yeah, we're sort of getting the film out there, which is, is scary in a way because it's out of my hands now. And,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, I've, I've got an amazing um, team and support around me that is, is backing the film. So it's, it's been a wild journey. I didn't think it was possible in a pandemic to make a feature film. So I was like, we did it.
0: Right like <laughs> well it is very professionally done very crisp very clean um it's it's beautifully done so Thank you very much yeah yeah no no doubt about that um the the pandemic in a lot of ways it it allowed me to explore the arts like i had never explored them before as well so i think that the pandemic i think did that for a lot of people yeah it found a way to take advantage of of the situation that we were all in
1: mm-hmm. And strange, like, how unifying it is for everyone to, like, I was thinking about (laughs) this earlier on in the pandemic. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is affecting, like, Obama. This is affecting the queen. Like, it's this universal thing that we cannot escape. Mm -hmm. And, and, And that's humbling in a strange way that you go, okay, even though it's, it's really hard. Like everyone's going through this. So.
0: In another way that we all, that we all could connect on it. I mean, we are all going through it. You're right. You, there was no escape of it. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you it, went to Dallas. I went to Dallas. They seem to not care. No masks. Oh no. no. no.
1: <laughs> it took a pandemic for me to be so busy. Yeah. Like I, I it's a strange experience to go, Oh, okay, everyone stopped working and I actually, my work actually took off in a way.
0: Right. Right. When you um, were stuck with yourself for a <laughs> good part of it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've been like, uh, I, I'm working on some other projects, which are really exciting and, 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 and they're broadening what I do. Like I I'd always, I'd always sort of written and stuff, but mm-hmm to have some of my poetry produced and I'm working on a libretto of an opera right now. So I'm, I'm literally expanding every, every, every day, which is frightening, but also really exciting.
0: Right. So you've kept yourself as busy. Did you fall into that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And not to just, I don't think I'm keeping myself busy to, to fill a void by any means that, you know, some people will like, right. Oh, I've got to consume everything. So I am. I'm filling an empty hole. It's not that at all, but it's just, I think I realized when I started moving into more of my creative work to actually um, step through the door that's being presented to me is, is the way um, it seems to be working rather than, as I was saying before, like as a performer, you are the art. Like I, I was, not judged necessarily, but as an actor, you are the art, and, and you are. Um, th- there's a possibility of you being judged for your work, and 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 yet when you are a creator, it's outside of yourself, and so there's an element of, you know, you can step back, you can be objective. It's, mm-hmm. um, its subjectivity to its audiences. Um, it's easier to measure, I guess, because. Mm-hmm. You know, we can all look at Tom Hardy, for example, and you might go, oh my God, he's an amazing actor. And I go, mm, I don't really like him. <laughs> but then we can both look at a Walk, uh, like a Kara Walker painting and, and there's subjectivity to it. It's, right. it's easier to measure, I guess, is what I'm trying to say.
0: Well, your film really puts you out there because you could be judged on the way it was directed the way it was put together your person, your life itself like I mean it's yeah yeah you you put yourself out there in every respect possible so right credit to you that's that's Uh-oh. that's wild and that's scary and and all of that so where can people find uh mixed up I know I found it on apple TV mm-hmm. uh, in the states where else can people find it
1: it is available. Is it really on Apple TV in the states?
0: It's on Apple TV, but you do have to pay for, um, I think, Out TV. So it's an actually two nine nine a month oh. for Out TV. That's so
1: interesting. I thought it wasn't available in the states on Apple TV.
0: Yeah, no, you just have to pay yeah. for Out TV, and anyone who wants to watch it, you could totally do a seven day trial of Out TV, and then just cancel yeah. it before the seven day trial, and you can watch the movie. So <laughs> he's on it. Yeah, so
1: <laughs> it's on Apple TV, Amazon Prime out uh LTB go fruit tv tv new zealand soon to be in australia south africa i believe and um, if you can find all the information at mixedup.ca
0: okay mixedup.ca and i'll put that link uh underneath the video and underneath the uh the podcasts yeah so thank you for joining me today so very interesting and again like Man, power to you for what you're doing. So it's
1: <laughs> well, thank you. Uh,
0: yes. So, and everyone out there again, this has been a Dweebs Global production. That's why we do this podcast, dweebsglobal.org. They give free mentorship help from around the world, every language, no matter what you need, anyway, from resume writing to mental health, dweebsglobal.org. And we'll see you all next week.